So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that has always pushed the right buttons. Jensen Button. Hey! Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that's been turning the magic off since 2015. It's a kind of magic. When are you pushing that as the title for the newsletter? Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the potentially lethal pit wall of F1 podcasts. If you're not careful, you could hurt yourself on us. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, kicking our own podcast when it invariably fails. It's harder to do on Zoom, isn't it? Now that the podcast's not as funny now, we're not in the pub as someone said oh. on Twitter. Oh. Fuck you, Twitter. I'm Chi and I'm the wall you never want to crash into. On the show tonight, we will be talking about the Baku Grand Prix and trying our best not to resort to cheap puns, but probably failing. We will, however, talk about exploding tyres, stupidly placed switches, two-lap sprint races, and all other talking points from Azerbaijan, apart from the ones we forget about. That is all to come. Joining me is a freelance motoring journalist who has a new car coming. It is Phil Tromans. And it's not a loan car, it's a car I'm paying for with my own money. What is it? Oh, everyone keeps saying, oh, you're a motoring journalist, what kind of car do you drive? Well, now's your chance to find out. Skoda Octavia Estate. What colour? Silver. 1.5 litre SEL. What does SEL mean? Adaptive Cruise Control, which is, uh, which is great on the motorway. So, you know, if you want to know... You had what me at Adaptive... What's weird is, I know a lot of people are going out there, oh, I thought you'd have a Lamborghini or something. It's like, A, I haven't got that much money. And B, you'd be surprised how uh, many other motoring journalists, when they buy cars out their own money, also go for a Skoda Octavia. Just saying, it's a very good car. And alongside him is a man who has made things. It's Terry Saunders. I have a home. I am in my new flat in Berlin. I love it. I have been buying furniture and buying secondhand furniture and all the rest of it but I was having a problem with my kitchen in the in Germany kitchens only have a sink and an oven and no work surfaces what? and no fridge and there's a weird thing with Germany that when you move into a flat by law in Berlin only they've got to give you a sink the rest of Germany you go in it's just basically and here's a room that have got some pipes sticking out the wall this is the kitchen what it's really bizarre and no light fittings 
I don't mean they've taken the bulbs out. I mean, you, you move in and go, oh, look, there's some wires hanging out the ceiling. I've still got wires hanging really? out the ceiling. I've got, I've got quite a big flat, and it needs quite a grand light thing, is what I'm saying, and I can't really... <laughs> you haven't got your chandelier in yet. Basically, no, it does need a chandelier. It's like it's like a big kind of ceiling rose thing. I've got to get the fucking chandelier. Well, maybe, you could, uh, maybe you could build one, Terry. So you can... So in Ikea in Germany, you can buy, like, modular kitchen things because people just take their kitchen units with them when they move, <laughs> and they look a bit shit. So I wasn't, and they, and that classic thing with IKEA is you go, this looks a bit shit, and somehow it's really expensive. So instead, I went to the DIY. I went to the I went to OB, which is the equivalent of B and Q, but it's OBI called OB. So I always sing OB the lowly. Right <laughs> and is that a Roy Orbison joke? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hi kids, if you're oh. listening. <laughs> he says with his Skoda Octavia. Fuck it out. So I went to the DIY shop. I brought a load of wood. I had to get it back in an Uber, which he wasn't happy about. And then and then it stayed there for like two weeks, so I'm really busy. And then on Saturday, I made a kitchen. I would be sceptical, except I saw your Instagram story. Yeah. And was Spoiler. genuinely, well, I was genuinely impressed with the end result. I wasn't that impressed by the general updates when we saw how your, accurate your cutting and measuring was. But the end result looked what really good. Accurate? It was so accurate. Well, there was that shot that you had of a load of pieces of wood that were all theoretically the same length, <laughs> looking less than the same length. It was on a very wobbly bit. It was a very specifically uneven bit of floor that they were still on. <laughs> Genuinely, it looked really good. And I've got a fancy coffee machine where you've got to like bang out the coffee like at a coffee shop. Uh, whenever I bang the coffee, the whole kitchen kind of wobbles a bit. <laughs> so I might stop. I might give up coffee. <laughs> Chica, what have you been up to and what have you made? I've made a massive mistake for hey. my whole life. Um, okay. Weddings off? Um, I discovered yesterday the that... The podcast off? <laughs> no, with that. Um, I discovered yesterday that I didn't know that GMT was the same, was not the same as BST. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. Right, we're going to try and get to Listener's Corner if these tyres hold up on the previous straight and if we don't lock up under braking. So there is lots to talk about. So let's start with a discussion about which Mercedes driver had the worst weekend and why it was Valtteri Bottas. While Hamilton made a colossal mistake and threw it all away, at least he had the hope of success. Bottas was hopeless all weekend. Russell Trigg smells change in the air. He says Bottas is acting like he's about to hand his notice in and is like, Fire me, I fucking dare you. George to be announced at Silverstone. Doug E. Harper says he's acting like a petulant kid who's been told that his birthday money has been spent on sponsoring a goat on the Isle of Sheppey. Oh God, can you imagine Can you imagine if you were that goat? You'd be like, oh fuck, well I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Forsyth says Bottas defending after the restart was utterly pathetic. He gave up a number of places without even trying and didn't even try to fight the other cars. Whether Mercedes replaced him with Russell, Van Dorn, Ocon or one of the fans from the balconies around the track yesterday, they cannot do a worse job than Bottas for the rest of the season. And Davian Dent said Valtteri Bottas is the Logan Paul of Formula One. Well. Well. Does that mean he's got a successful YouTube channel? It means that... I don't know what it means... I hate Logan. I don't. I don't. I've never watched anything by Logan Paul, and I just. I despise the idea of him, which I realise is very shallow of me. But oh, is he the like, one? Why, that is, he, why the is he getting? To, why, he might be. I know him as the guy who got twenty million for fighting Floyd Mayweather. 
for no fucking reason. He's not a boxer. Anyway. Yeah, but this is about Bottas. Yeah, he doesn't get 20 million. For, I'd watch uh, Bottas versus Mayweather. That'd be interesting. Maybe I'll take it all Would back. It? He wasn't... Yeah, he'd probably get laid out within about 30 seconds. He wasn't great, was he? Dear, oh dear. Just when we think he's sunk as low as he can go, he's uh, he goes lower. I mean, Mercedes as a whole were pretty terrible. In fact, maybe as bad as I've ever seen them this weekend. This but, was actually kind of like Mercedes back in the kind of... When it was Schumacher and... Yeah. They were just like, you know, a midfield Oop. team. You're like, oh. oh yeah, sorry. Schumacher <laughs> and... Ralph Schumacher. <laughs> I can't even remember if we're still beeping him or not. Anyway. Oh, it doesn't matter. No one gets the joke. <laughs> we went through this. We had this last year. People were writing in saying, we don't know why you beep out a driver's name. We don't know which driver you're beeping out because you've been doing this joke for 16 fucking years and we're only 14 years old. And now we're doing it and we're somehow getting meta about it. And every time you mention it, we go, are we still doing this joke? Right. The joke was, I, we, I can't, I, do you know what? I don't remember what the joke was. Why did we start beeping out I don't remember. I think when he retired, we decided that we'd never mention him again. I think that oh, was well, the we joke. Oh, we fucked yeah. that up. So that was five years ago, was it? 16 he retired, wasn't it? The end of 16? Anyway. I don't even know who we're talking about. Oh, I don't know. Um, but no, you're right. It was it was like the Mercedes before they got good, and suddenly they've forgotten how to do it. Uh, in fairness to Hamilton, he actually did a remarkably good job right up until the minute where he made an absolutely ludicrous mistake. But Bottas was absolutely no. I mean, we've said he's been nowhere before, but like that's usually when he's like seventh. I mean, he was terrible, terrible. What seemed to happen was on Friday and Saturday, the Mercedes were genuinely nowhere between them. Like you know, Lewis was like eighth or something at the practice session. Bottas did that thing that we've all done in a job. You know, in a job or something where it's like you're working a weekend, but it's actually quite quiet. So you think, all right, I'm skiving off. You know. There's no work going on. I've never never done that, no. Mm -mm. Of course you haven't. You're just there polishing your stickers. Um, (laughs) But Chica, you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. And then what happens is you get shown up by a work colleague, fucking Philia, (laughs) who says, oh, if it's quiet, maybe we can mop all the floors or something. And you're like, oh, fuck off. So that's what Lewis was doing. He was kind of going, oh, well, actually, if we work really hard, we can find a solution. Why don't we try this different wing setting? And he worked it. And then Boris is like going... Oh, for fuck's sake, I invited my mates round. I've just lit a joint. (laughs) (laughs) At his desk. But lots of people are like, he's going to go mid-season. I don't think he will. Although, having said that, since the last race, Toto Wolff has not been doing the whole team player thing with Bottas, has he? He's very much taken aside. So after after this race, he was like, Lewis Hamilton doesn't make mistakes. You know, I mean, he literally said he doesn't make mistakes, even though he'd obviously made a mistake. But after Bottas, after Bottas's disastrous pit stop in Monaco, he basically said, "Oh yeah, uh, Valtteri stopped in the wrong place, and that's why it all went wrong." He basically blamed Bottas for the whole thing. So maybe they're onto something. Maybe Bottas is going to get the, uh, the old Wolf boot. I just can't see Mercedes ditching a driver mid. It's such a Red Bull thing to do. They, <laughs> yeah. they, they want to do anything to be the opposite of Red Bull. They don't like looking like Red Bull. So I. I don't think they'll do it for that reason alone. You may be right on that. Speaking of incompetence, Pirelli came in the firing line too. What with their left rear tyre suspiciously exploding, sending both Lance Stroll and Max Verstappen crashing into the wall at high speed. Henry Haler says, I thought Bottas was the joke this weekend. And then along came Pirelli. Stephen Gurr said, people too often repeat the trope about adding sprinklers to tracks, but randomly exploding tyres are much more exciting. Charles Massard says, One of the best bits was the Pirelli guy trying to secure a red bin bag over Stroll's rear tyre and failing miserably. 
Oh, that's probably where but, I remember that story from, where I put it in the intro. Sorry, Charles, I completely ripped off your anecdote. But to be fair, I think Charles is talking about the bit where the dry, where the Pirelli guy is trying to do it whilst the car's still going around the track. <laughs> <laughs> you missed a bit. <laughs> it's a weird one in a, in a number of ways, because number one, the tyre just let go. Mm-hmm. And according to it, Red Bull at least, normally if there's a puncture, they'll see something in the data that says, oh, we're losing a bit of... Like, just before it goes, they'll see something, and they didn't see anything. But also it went on the rear left, which would be the opposite tyre to the one you'd expect to go. You'd expect the rear right to go, because that's the one that sort of takes most of the cornering load. So it's a bit... If the tyres were shonky, you'd expect the one that's under the most stress to go. So I'll be intrigued to Unless, see what the result of the investigation is. But the, the investigation hasn't been done yet, has it? <clears throat> no, it's really aware. hard. They've, they've got to put all the bits of tyre back together and then work out how they fell apart in the first place. I think Pirelli mm. said they thought it might be debris. Well, of course they did. Yeah, I mean, they would say that, wouldn't they? But I bet I haven't said that. It might be. It's like O.J. Simpson standing over the dead body no. with a knife in his hand going, oh, I think, I think she had a stroke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, they, they're sort of saying early signs point to debris but again like both both debris on the straight in slightly different places and it's the left rear each time I guess it all depends what this magic switch on the Mercedes does does it just like drop <laughs> drop like drawing pins on the track <laughs> it just sets off explosives in a random car that's <laughs> so what you get when you when each, each time you win a world championship you get the opportunity to blow up somebody's tyre in a race so there's five more to come well that's my state of F1 ruined <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> no, no meanwhile cheeky Checo Perez capitalised on a Lewis Hamilton mistake to notch up his first win for Red Bull Daniel Eckersley says Perez wins the race where the main talking point is tyres because of course he does Ian Martin, I noticed Checo won. Albon wouldn't have won that race. That's the but Albon trope exploded. Hooray, I hope that's the start of an unexpectedly large number of wins for Perez. Also, also that bit where Hamilton drove straight on the first corner at the restart. Funniest thing ever. I would say it was the funniest thing ever, but it was interesting. I mean, it's, it's no Monty Python and the Holy Grail. But it was no, but it was... It was definitely Monty Python's meaning of life better. It was like, you know, it was... It was only a fin. Especially after... I mean, let's face it, Mean of Life's got some good bits, but it's a shit film. But the, after we hear the radio message where he's saying, okay, everyone, everyone at the team, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And everyone at the team's going, yeah, right, but you're the guy in the fucking car. Why don't you, instead of trying to give us motivational speeches, check your fucking steering wheel, you <laughs> It was uh, it's weird that that hasn't happened before. On a Nigel Mansell, of- Canada, nineteen ninety something, when he turned the car off on the last lap. Do you remember? Is that oh vaguely? Yes, I need to look it up. But that that sound that rings a bell. Is that what happened? He literally just turned the car off by mistake. Well, the story at the time was that he raised <clears> his hands <throat> to kind of celebrate, and he flicked a switch, turned the car off. And apparently, uh, it's a bit more complicated than that. But still, he fucked up at the car. <laughs> He raised Stopped his hands to celebrate corner. and punched in a five-figure code <laughs> and then hit enter. It does seem a little bit odd that you have a single switch in an easily knockable place that would make a fundamental difference to the way that the car works. 
You would think that you'd at least have to switch something and then confirm it. But I don't understand what it... That, what, what's the point of that mode? So... The mode that means your brakes don't work. No, it's the mode that basically... Because when you're doing... It's a mode for when you're in uh, behind the safety car or going up to the grid or something like that. Basically where your tyres are in danger of getting cold and you want to heat them up as much as you can. So what it does is it sets the brake bias. So what, normally when you brake it sends a certain amount of braking power to the front, a certain amount of braking power to the back. What the magic button does is it basically puts all the braking power in the front so that when you're weaving about and you're hitting the brakes in your warm-up lap, all the heat goes to the front brakes and in turn they heat the tyres. The aim of the game is to get your tyres as hot as possible. So when you start, they're nice and sticky and you've got loads of grip. So when you're doing the warm-up lap and you're behind the safety car, that's great, it works really well. Then you turn it off and then you have normal braking power for the uh, for the actual racing bit but if Hamilton accidentally knocked it on when he was trying to avoid Perez which is apparently what happened it meant that when he got to the corner and hit the brakes it meant that the car responded in a completely different way to the way he was expecting which is why he immediately but- locked up and went straight on so one thing that was very well explained Phil mm. thank you I actually understood that secondly but that doesn't explain why his brakes were basically smoking like a like dot cotton you know, like when the, on that restart, his brakes were just like it, it's, it's like he had a. Mm. It was like the old days of Formula One, where you could just see Marlborough. <laughs> well, I, I'm still slightly unclear as to whether that was just because he'd been working as hard as he possibly could to get his front tyres warm, and you know, when you're on the front row, you sit sat there for longer than everybody else, and they get hot because they're not getting cooled by the air of the car moving. And well, if that's that just much. that, it did seem a little more than not because I commented mm. when I said it, it's like, oh, his brakes are hot. Um, but then the the explanation does seem to be that actually everything was fine until the moment where he moved out of Perez's way when Perez chopped across him and he knocked the bloody switch. But that so, whole... It would make more sense if he left the switch on and hadn't turned it off and that's why his brakes were overheating. It would. Or maybe maybe he hadn't switched it quite... Maybe it was like, you know, when you get like a switch that's got a bit dodgy and it's kind of stuck between the two. Maybe that's what was happening. Well, maybe it's not an on-off switch. It's like a sort of a gradual analogue switch. That's, <laughs> and he hasn't fully closed it. Is it like my radiator like that's been leaking just because I hadn't changed the bleed... I hadn't closed the bleed valve enough. enough. Is that the same thing? Is that what you're saying? Yes. It's the bleed valve. Well, I don't have to worry about heating for the rest of my life because... Um, my flat has the pipes that transmit all the hot water for the entire apartment block in my room, which so is basically you, a free radiator. So you don't have does radiators? Does that mean it gets really hot, though? Well, I do have radiators, and yes, it does mean it gets really hot, and it's summer right now. It's almost unbearable. Okay. I love this place. I've had the same thing in my... I don't know if this is... I don't know if you want to keep this in, but I've had the same thing, so I bought that. that Phil is showing us a filing cabinet. That is, that is a portable air conditioning unit. To try and keep Whoa. my daughter's room as cold as possible, because we foolishly put her in the, literally the hottest part of the house, and as soon as the sun comes out, it, it got to last summer. It got to thirty-four degrees in her room when she was like five months old, and we thought we should probably do something about that. Interesting idea for a spin-off podcast. We could track your daughter as she grows up and see if she likes to go to hot countries more than cold countries because of Maybe. where she was born. I mean, her parents in met fact, in the desert, so. That is quite a dull podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe that's more of a I code. dread to think what you're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking air conditioning. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> In other news, Williams. 
Williams are last in the standings after Haas finished in a vaguely reasonable position in Azerbaijan. I got a minute. I got a minute. I got a minute. I got a minute. We've just done. We've just done to Perez's career what a bunch of midfield teams have done to him. He won the race. We yeah, talk about it, and then we talk for ages. About he won it because Verstappen. Yeah, he won it because Verstappen and Hamilton made mistakes. Well, no, but I think this we can do this properly. But we're talking yeah. about other news now. Come he on. doesn't deserve right, a prop. He doesn't Come deserve on. a listener's sorry. corner bit. Thank carry you. Carry on, carry on. Sorry, Chief. Which means team principal Simon Roberts has a lot of work to do, or rather, he has no work to do because he's gone. The team has had a restructure, which means Robert has gone and he's not being replaced. Instead, Francois Xavier de Maison, the technical director, will look after the trackside team and CEO. Just Capito will get involved too. I don't know what this means, but yeah. I fuck it. it the, my, my Brexit senses are tingling. You know, this great British team is now run by someone called Francois Xavier de Maison and Jos Capito. Coming over Fucking here. Disgusting. Doing our <laughs> jobs, over taking our yeah. women. Coming over here, making our racing teams vaguely decent again. <laughs> or not. That Depending is not the British way. We're here waving our St. George's flags. Yeah, we want good old British incompetence. Um, They're going to rename the team to fucking... I can't think of a single foreign word. (laughs) There's our man. You literally live in Germany. (laughs) Amazing. I mean, yeah, I also have no idea if this is a good thing or not. On the one hand, it's like, ooh, okay. No. Yeah, that's what we're stooping to straight away, is it? Straight away. Hitler. Um, <clears throat> I have no idea. That's if the new name for the team. <laughs> the trouble Williams has, I mean, not the only trouble Williams has, but indicative of the trouble Williams has is that I have absolutely no idea whether Simon Roberts has been doing a good job or not. I mean, I guess sort of, maybe I mean, they're not. They're not they're quite better. as terrible as they were. Yeah. The problem is, the problem is Simon Roberts got the job and he went to his end. And he just sat in a wheelchair in the garage and got his daughter to do everything. <laughs> it worked for a while didn't it (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) okay so I guess now I don't know what De Maison and Capito are going to be doing then what is it about me and Williams I really love the the team but I just I I think we know what you I think we we all know long term listeners will know your thoughts on Frank Williams (laughs) I still get tweets about that now, and it was, what, three or four years ago? McLaren's long-term backer, Mansoor OJ, passed away last week at the age of 68. The grief in the paddock looks to be universal. Word on the street that he was a genuinely nice guy and had been a McLaren shareholder since 1984. He was a key figure in the tag group, which had previously been involved with Williams. And when he invested in McLaren, it led to the Ron Dennis era, which went well. He also used to own Tag Heuer, the watch company, and had survived a double lung transplant in 2013. It's maybe a mark of the fact that he didn't really like to shout about what he did, that I genuinely don't know much about Mansour OJ. I feel I've learned more about him since he died than I necessarily knew while he was about. You kind of see him every now and again at McLaren events, and I know he was like a long-term figure there, but I didn't really know what he did. But it sounds like... I haven't seen this kind of level of everyone in the paddock going, oh, that's really sad, for quite a long time, maybe since Nicky Lauder. And yeah, and also, wasn't wasn't he the one that, he was the one that finished off Ron Dennis as well, I think? 
I'm unclear on that because he and Ron Dennis were mates for decades, but I yeah. do have this recollection that maybe they fell out. I think it was it was him going as as one of the kind of main um, what's it called the shareholders in McLaren. Well, he took over Ron's shares, didn't he? Yeah, so he's he had the vote and just kind of went, "No, Ron, you're done." Thumbs down. In some way, yeah, thumbs out. He, like, he didn't spin the chair around in the voice. He just and Ron's like, "Come on, mate, come on, spin your chair around." And he's like, "No, I've only I've never seen the voice. I don't know that that's how it works. I, I don't think it's all about shareholder meetings. Is it anything to do with Formula One? I've not seen it. I think it's got a lot of useless technology that isn't relevant. Oh, it is a lot like Formula One then. Um, yeah. Oh, we've got off track here. Yeah, sorry to see Mansour OJ go, and sort of wish I'd known a bit more about him at the time. Which is why people who are in F1 that are interesting write a book, please. I think this this is at you, Patrick Head, who apparently refuses to write a book. I want to read Patrick Head's book. I assume it will I don't all want to read in, Patrick Head's all book. All be in I want to listen. I want to listen to the audio book. <laughs> be like Terry, uh, chapter one. <laughs> It'll be like Terry Pratchett's voice of God, won't it? Voice of death. All uh, yeah, all capitals, like five words a page. Anyway, rest in peace. And Patrick. I said to the bastard, "You can fuck off." <laughs> chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Frank made a team, but he went and fucked it up with his legs. So I had to build a fucking car all my fucking. I don't even know if he swears. I don't. I just know he shouts. And I'm adding. What I'm doing there is I'm adding his shouting to my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could ghostwrite it. I could ghostwrite oh, okay. his book. Yeah. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at for F1 sake or find us on Facebook where we're for F1 sake or email us at wrong at ff1s.com. Alternatively, if you think we are right, then you owe us a beer. That is what these people did. And now I will read their names aloud for you. Richard Tebbs, who says, thanks for the laughs. Get yourself some chocolate with your pints. This is a marathon, not a Snickers. Hey, that's good. Also, I like chocolate. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Richard Tebbs. 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 I don't know what to do with Tebbs. Tebbs. Oh. It's a good name. It gets more satisfying the more you say it. And this next name, which is even better, Weasel Howlett, who says, please never stop being so fuckingly, fantastically flippant about these posh in cars. You are a breath of fresh air slash kick in the balls to the sleep-inducing sport that I love. Fuck yes. That's my alter ego, because <laughs> that's the sort of comment just, I'd write. You just written in and sent us, uh, sent us money. Well, thank you, Terry. Slash Weasel, if that is your real name. Yep. I doubt that's his real name. Aaron Mangrulkar, who says, you guys are my second favourite F1-related podcast with a co-host who got dumped on a beach, and I genuinely mean that from the heart of my bottom. Oh, that's nice, Aaron. Thank you very much. Which podcast... I had another person dumped on well, a have you not Have you not heard Checkered Flag lately? Of Jack and Jolien split up. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Jack, if you're listening, which I suspect you're not anymore, a f- friend of the show, I asked for four to tickets like a month ago and I haven't got, <laughs> you haven't texted me yet, so is this, I can only presume that you don't listen anymore. Is this all we're doing means... now? Are we just flat out listening, uh, asking people who might listen if we can have free stuff? This is a much more direct way of doing it than than don't than go to the website and buy us a pint. You know, I'm just saying, Jack, can you get me tickets? I mean, you, you literally have his phone number. Just send him a message. I don't. Yeah, but I want to feel wanted. I want. <laughs> I want him to contact me. Okay, Charles Massad. He says, 
Thanks for being the best multinational F1 podcast. Oh, I'll take that. We are a in diverse face, podcast. In your face on the marbles, or up the marbles, whatever they're called. And Derek Mason, thank you. That's a good solid name, isn't it? Derek Mason. David Sayer. Yay. I mean, I feel like we do the same joke every... Maybe he keeps donating because he likes the joke. Sayer. Tom Tannett. He's a high-fiver, isn't he? That's a character from a Dickens novel. If ever I heard one. And to our monthly donors, some of whom have scheduled payments this week. They are Paul Hewings, Kevin Rose, Donald Griffin, Ian Cox and William Boyce. Join, yes. them, join them now by going to ff1s.com forward slash pint, pint, pint. Now, the teams, they are coming, they're here, and now they've gone again. But wait, Red Bull! Yay. <laughs> Perez said that it would take five races to settle at Red Bull. But if by settle, he means dangerous tyres eliminating the competition and the world champion cocking up right by the finish, then he has made himself right at home. Turns out Verstappen kicks things when disappointed. Which driver would you least like to get into a fight with in the grid? Oh, oh, oh my time to shine. Okay, right, so... Have you thought this through on a driver-by-driver basis going back over the last 10 years? Let's just go with the current grid. So Hamilton would be a a bit tidy. Well, he's got a black belt in some sort of martial art, hasn't he? Exactly. I don't think it's one of the good ones, but still. I see, but he's still, you know, let's face it. He's a good All Formula One drivers are fitter than me. (laughs) No, Terry, No. No, Maybe in I'm terms gonna... of cardio, but in terms of attractiveness, that's debatable. <laughs> well, yeah. Bottas, I think, so he's obviously fitter, but I think you could break him quite easily. <laughs> you just say something about his girlfriend or his mum or something. They're, all, they're quite little as well, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bottas, you could just hold... You could just hold. <laughs> hold him on the forehead <laughs> yeah. while he swings around. So Verstappen, I think, would break very easily, because I don't think he's ever been near a real human being. So I think... <laughs> I just, I, I think Verstappen was a type that you would just kind of do that kind of lunge forward and he just shit himself and you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever happens now, we know it's over. Perez, he'd just go in for a long fight, wouldn't he? He mm. would just be like, I'm he'd just, just gonna, He'd wear you down. Yeah. Wear. He'd just circle and jab and circle and jab and just, <laughs> yeah, wait till you're knackered. Yeah, no, you're I, right. I think, I think I've got an answer already. I've thought it through. I think Lance Stroll would be... Probably surprisingly vicious. <laughs> I think he's, I think, he, I think he's like a rich rich boy bully. I think. I think he I think bites. as soon as you stand up to him. No, I, gets, I think. But then he'd get his dad on you, and I wouldn't yeah, be scared that's of his the dad. Problem, isn't it? I know. I think the opposite. I th- I think so far I'm going for Lance Stroll. I'd least like to because I think he would have this kind of horrible, like nasty, like side to him. Sebastian Vettel just wouldn't turn up. He'd be like, "We at the playground." He wouldn't go. Um, Leclerc. Oh. Nah. He would think he's strong, but he wouldn't. Carlos Sainz, you'd be giving him a kick, and then his cousin would come in and <laughs> pull you over. Lando Norris, that's just child cruelty. Uh, Ricardo, he used to be really good at fighting, but this year he's shit at it. 
Ricardo would be my pick, I think. I think, I think really? A, a, well, Australians love fighting, don't they? I don't want to generalise, but I'm pretty sure every Australian loves fighting. Wait, do you want and to I know Danny Ricardo, fight, Danny Ricardo is well into his well into his mixed martial arts as well, so he probably knows But hang on, hang on. What are we doing with this fight? Do you want to win this fight, Phil? Do you want an easy fight? Or... Oh, yeah, I want an easy fight. I mean, I'm not questioning, you know, why am I? No, but we're saying who is the who is the worst person to fight? So who would we least oh, no, like this to is, fight? This is actually quite, a, quite an interesting question. It's like, do I do I want a good, satisfying scrap or do I want... Because would you feel a bit bad if you just literally just sort of flicked someone on the nose and they fell over? Like, so I would I choose Sonoda because it would just be like... <laughs> I would love dead. to see you fight Sonoda. <laughs> I mean, Can the first five minutes Can of the fight a... would be him standing on a chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just Can we do a bonus episode? Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, but I'm trying to pick the person who I think was gonna, would beat me up the worst. That's my... I think, I think Daniel Ricciardo. I think you're right. I think Ricciardo... I can imagine Ricciardo in a vest. Alonso would just sort of... It, Alonso, is, you have to watch out for his neck. But apart from that, I don't think he's got much. And he's quite little. No, Alonso would bite your fucking ear off. <laughs> Tsunoda, I think Tsunoda might be actually just absolute psycho. <laughs> like he'd just go, out, <laughs> just go at you like a fucking Tasmanian devil. I think Raikkonen. <laughs> nah, he wouldn't be asked. I reckon he'd give you one think, massive uh, smack and you... Raikkonen, no, I, I tell you what, Raikkonen would be like that joke on Indiana Jones where you do all the fighting stuff and he just like put out a gun or something. And like, <laughs> Probably, he just, th- he just smash you in the face with a vodka bottle. Yeah, uh, Gasly. Uh, I don't think he would want uh, to fight. He'd put up a good scrap, but I don't think he'd be too handy. Um, Giovinazzi, joke about his hair. George <laughs> Russell. I can't imagine it. He's quite tall, but he's quite skinny. You could break him. I think you could just push him over. And I'm he's got tall. he's got big eyes as well. You could jab him in his eyes. Latifi, no idea. Oh, oh. Well, we've got look, look who's at the end. Mazepin. I don't think he'd be a very good fighter. Yeah, but we'd all like to fight him, wouldn't we? I'm just oh, saying, yeah. I want to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> I forget all the rules of this game. Well, who would you most like to punch? Oh, it's Mazepin. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why it all took right. us so long to get there. Is there was feature. that a question? Uh, anyway, yeah. So, so anyway, Red Bull did quite well. Yeah. So hey, so we're still not talking about Perez winning. Go on, let's give the guy a bit of credit. He won a fucking race for Red he Bull. Did, he did exactly what Red Bull have employed him to do, mm-hmm. which is to be just good enough that if something goes wrong at the front, he's there to sweep up the win, slash the points, slash exactly, whatever. exactly. But let's also put it into context. That he, you say that like it's easy, but Gasly and Albon did yeah. exactly what yeah. they did not. No, no, did not do exactly what Red Bull employed. It's true, do. but Gasly and Albon were fairly inexperienced, and Perez has been in F1 for what ten years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'd expect him to be a bit better, and I think we did expect him to be a bit better. And, and fair play, he's a bit better. You know, he's. It'd be interesting to see if this is the level he settles at, or if he genuinely, in let's say five races time, if he's got to the point where he can start to hassle Verstappen. I don't think he will. No. Do you but think even if he doesn't, you know, he's he's doing the job he needs to do. Do you think we can see more of him on the podium, or yeah, if, is it if only if Verstappen, there's going to be only if you know Verstappen and Hamilton have? I think he could well amass a lot of third places this year mm-hmm. if he's if he's finally got to grips with the car, which by all accounts is a tricky car to drive. If he's finally got the hang of it after five races, yeah, it wouldn't at all surprise me if he comes sailing in between behind Hamilton and. Uh, well, actually, Perez I think it'll and, be uh, it'll, it'll be a bit of a Bottas a few years ago where you know. Every now and again, Bottas would just get pulled and win a race. I think there's going to be a couple of races like that this year where he'll just somehow nail it. 
Sochi. I... Oh, God, I bet. Are they going to Sochi this year? I can't remember. Because that's that race that Bottas wins every time, isn't it? He always wins Sochi for he's some not, reason. He's, he's really... not going to win it this year, is he? It's going to be Perez wins it this year. That's going to be the thing that kills Bottas. We're still, we've still not seen the Perez versus Bottas battle that we were talking about at the start of the year. Because oh, Bottas has just been nowhere. I mean, Perez was relatively nowhere, but Bottas has been nowhere, nowhere. We haven't had time to talk about that article about Mercedes, um, the rivalry, putting on the desktop the picture of the person that you hate most. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that well, but, yeah, Bottas said that he motivates himself by... He has a desktop picture on his computer of of something that of his haters or something I don't know presumably those to whom it may concern um, and everyone's like oh I wonder what it is so we stuck up a picture of ourselves <laughs> yeah although I still think it's a picture of him <laughs> it's just him staring at him going you're shit man <laughs> he's like you're right I am. I am I'll show you and he, he did. did until Verstappen crashed he was absolutely cruising it wasn't he mm. which yeah. which I don't know how much to read into it. I don't know if this these last two tracks are just um, just happen to heavily favour Red Bull. And obviously, in the next race, they don't have their super flexi wing that everybody's bored of talking about now. So, is this just going to be their little moment to shine, and then it's back to Mercedes dominance again, or are they genuinely now the best team? I don't know. I don't think we know. There's only one way to find out. Yeah. Wait. And unfortunately, the it's by watching the French Grand Prix. Passage of time. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise known as the French Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> Mercedes. Just when it looked like Hamilton was going to do that Hamilton thing and be better than everybody else and slide out into the front and drive off looking cool, he didn't and did that unHamilton thing of making a mistake. What do you think is wrong with Bottas emotionally? My theory is a messy breakup. Oh, I think the opposite, because apparently he's got a new girlfriend, <gasps> and I think... Well, they're not that new, I don't think. He's been with them. Tiffany Cromwell, the cyclist. They've been together a while. It's okay. <laughs> I, right. Just to shit on your theory straight away. <laughs> well, no, well, what's quite a while? About a year at least, I think. Okay, well, that's about as long as he's been shit for, isn't it? So, you know. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I reckon she's trying to kind of pep talk him, and she's not very good at it. Well, he's. Hang on, thinking about it, Tiffany Cromwell is, is a is a pro cyclist. Like she's a pretty decent sports woman in her own right. And previously, he was married to a Olympic swimmer, wasn't he? So he's got a, he's got a type. Thing for and I wonder people. if he's I wonder if he's he's got a thing for women who are better at their sport than he has. He is. Oh, so that's all women who do sports. <laughs> <laughs> Bottas is just crushed. I don't I don't think there's any other way around it. He's He's got all logic is telling him to accept the fact that he's not as good as Hamilton and he never will be. But if he does that, then he's sort of accepting defeat. And all racing drivers, you know, secretly think that if everything went their way, they're the best in the world. So, okay, so here's my prediction for the future next year, Russell gets the job at Mercedes. Does Bottas go back to Williams? I mean, because in one way, it's, it's embarrassing, you know, you don't want to go back, but in the other way. He could actually kind of do that kind of, you know, when like Barrichello went to um, Honda or, you know, that kind of thing where they need a kind of older driver to kind of really kickstart a team to get back into shape kind of thing. And I wonder if... You're saying he could do a Barrichello and pick a team that looks like they've gone the way out and then they remarkably have a year where they win the World Championship. But he doesn't. But he doesn't, yeah. 
<laughs> yes, that's yeah, almost definitely exactly what that. will happen. <laughs> <laughs> or he'll just go to Formula E. I can't see him in Formula E. Or NASCAR. I'd like to see him Why in NASCAR. Why not? Why can't you see him in Formula E? Formula E feels like it's for young failures. <laughs> <laughs> and you can buy that t-shirt at ffns.com. <laughs> well, i tell you what, Jack, if I don't get my VIP ticket soon, then every bit of my prowess of making merchandise, which is pretty awful, is going to be attacking Formula E, Jack Nichols. In fact, it's just going to be a t-shirt say Jack Nichols hasn't... Jack Nichols hasn't got me tickets for Formula E. <laughs> It's another very timely one. You can can you still get our um, Fernando Alonso Indy Five Hundred T-shirt from a few years ago? I think so. <laughs> or it will be a, an arrow pointing to the left, and it says, "I'm with Jack Nichols," and then on the back it will go, "No, I'm not," because you didn't get me tickets <laughs> to the Formula You're still a friend with benefit to the podcast, uh, Jack. If you're listening, he'll be back at Christmas for his wine. <laughs> <laughs> Aston Martin. That makes it sound like he's, we're just flying with wine. Oh, we do. Okay. Aston Martin. Until a few races ago, we had resigned Aston Martin to a car that will be at its best when it's made into miniature plastic models on shelves around the UK. Or appear in the next James Bond when he gets into Formula One and takes on the evil Russian marzipan. Anyway, Vettel got a podium. Unbelievable. How much of it was due to the fact that he actually is a really good driver and how much of it is because it is a Aston Martin I think yeah I think it's I think it's Vettel I think it's Vettel getting over his Ferrari demons and remembering that actually he does know how to drive it's just he hasn't done it for a while because he was good in Monaco as well mm. do you know what I think there's something to be said in that I think it's psychology with Vettel I think ever since I suppose since Ricardo went to Red Bull, he's been a bit broken. He had like a little kind of year or two at Ferrari that felt like they were going well, but then that sank down. And actually, I think he just needs people to say he's good. I think I'm a lot like Vettel. I think, I think... <laughs> what? <laughs> well, because now you live in Germany and you think you're, you're a bit like Vettel. <laughs> oh, I forgot he was German too, like me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I just think I need people to support me and not tell me my failings. <laughs> I genuinely, really I think, I, I, I genuinely think oh. that is that is part of the thing. I think he's now in an, in an environment. He's always liked, you know, British and the Brits and oh, you know, all this, you know, th- things the Brits do like that. And I think he's now in an environment. I wouldn't know. Where... Can you explain more? <laughs> <laughs> he just seems happy in his place. I'd imagine to a certain extent the pressure's off because the team hasn't been that good so nobody's expecting him to win all the time which let's be honest I can't even begin to imagine the pressure you're under at Ferrari as a Ferrari driver when the car's not that great and I think he's just sort of relaxed and he's not taking it quite so seriously and suddenly that you know we know he's a decent driver he's got four world championships and it's coming back again and I hope it continues uh, I don't no, think no, the car's there yet but um, but I also think there's something to be said for if he'd had an, if, he, if he'd had like another two bad races, not Monaco and this, but another two where he just finished out the points or whatever, I think that it would get into his head that the team don't like him and he would go on a long decline for the rest of the year. Whereas actually, it feels like he might. He's just. I think he's just weak. I mean, he wouldn't be the first Mentally sportsman. Weak. I mean, that's harsh. 
But I don't, I don't think he'd be the first sportsman that, you know, when he's up, he's up, and when he's down, he's down. You could argue that Hamilton, to a certain extent, has been like that. When things don't go Hamilton's way, he tends to chuck his toys out of the pram. When things don't go Hamilton's way, he just carries straight on. Well, yes. <laughs> I, I wish him well, you know, for, for all us mocking him, deservedly so, over the years. Mm. Um, it would be nice to see him back and, and providing another challenge to Verstappen and Hamilton. I don't think necessarily he'll do that this year, but if shit goes down for the top teams, it'd be nice if he's on, on his game and is there to, to sweep up any podiums. I also, I also hope he gets even more British as well. I want him to start doing... You know when he used to do that? Bravo, ragazzi, grazie, grazie. I want him to start doing British stuff on the radio. All right. Well, that's Lodge. Yeah. Here's a picture of the Queen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, you went, you went the full Aston Martin. But yeah. I was thinking more like, Why, his legs? Okay. Kellogg's Activita. <laughs> <laughs> Stroll was a victim of the curse of the Pirelli... Let's just get down to business and analyse his dad's body language when he got back to the paddock. It was quite something. Because mm. it, it was a big crash and it was like his dad went over to him and went, are you okay? And yet also seemed like he was really disappointed. <laughs> well, that he wasn't uh, okay. Oh, oh, you, oh, you are okay. Right. Okay. No, I, no, I don't mean that. I just like disappointed in general. Like there's this the overwhelming disappointment of his son. So it's just kind of like, it's like my God, him saying, course, are you okay? What did you do to the tyre? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the best thing was that Stroll was out on those tyres for the longest because he was hoping for a safety car. And the irony that the thing that was best for Stroll's strategy was Stroll biffing it into a wall because that really meant he had a good chance of winning that race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he'd have pitted right there, he was right next to the pits as well. It was like yeah. perfect timing. It couldn't have been better for him. <laughs> oh, well. Ferrari started in pole, finished in fourth. Ouch, Leclerc. At least he finished this time. Sainz blamed his average performance on everything but himself. The tyres, the brakes, locking. What do you blame when things aren't going your way? Chica, I blame you. Yeah, Chica, Brexit. <laughs> That's it, really. Just Chica Coronavirus. And Brexit. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that, yeah, th- but that's that's that falls into the cheek. That falls into no, the coronavirus falls into the Chica and Brexit thing for me. Oh, I see. It's a combination I am the, of the root. Two. I am patient zero. Yeah, I sometimes say that I've got bunions. Okay. <laughs> and I don't. I don't even know what they are. It's a type of uh, crisp. <laughs> <laughs> McLaren. Norris seemed to be having an utterly shit weekend, and then somehow finished in fifth. Ricardo got points, but not too many. Why have McLaren gone from being ones to watch to nothing to get excited about? I think Norris is still one to get excited about, but it does seem like he has to have the right track. Maybe it's the car. But Ricardo's still struggling. He's shit this year. If, I mean, it, if, if it wasn't for those crashes, he'd be out of the points again. I understand in principle that all the cars are different. You've got to drive them in a different way. All this shit, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you've got to learn the car. It takes five races. Yada, 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 yada. There's been less testing, blah, 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 blah. But you also get that thing of like, everyone else is managing. Well, it, it does seem like he's he's got the perfect storm of a car that really doesn't suit his driving style. But the best drivers can adapt. You know, there are some decent drivers who've lucked into a car that perfectly fits their driving style. The one that springs to Kimi mind Raikkonen. being... Perhaps Raikkonen also Button in the brawn. Yeah. Like Jensen Button, as far as I'm aware from speaking to people who know more about this than me, 
is a driver who has a who is a driver who has a pretty set style, mm. and if the car doesn't suit his style, he struggles. But the Braun was just like, this is exactly what I want, and I and he was super quick. And Hamilton can drive pretty much anything. I would imagine Verstappen can drive pretty much anything. Ricardo, if he's got the right car, so the Red Bull a few years ago, really quick. Mm really struggling with this one and he doesn't seem to have the flexibility to be able to work around it so thought experiment if he hadn't have left Red Bull and we're still there now obviously he'd have been beaten by Verstappen I think that's a given but would he be happier <laughs> now it's being tricky, still because it? it's like you, 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 he took the leap away from Red Bull as a gamble and he spent two years at the back in Renault and now he's flailing in a McLaren whilst Perez wins a race. It's just like, he would have been winning that race today in a Red Bull. Mm. I think it was... Did he... Uh, what was the eventual um, tally, can you remember, between Ricardo and Ocon at Renault? Was it Ocon? No, whoever he was with. It was oh, Ocon, wasn't Phil, it? every week you remember. ask me and Chica a stat. Like we're well, going to know. I assume you, I assume you just, get that. It just makes the podcast look shit. I think when if you go, I, what's that thing? And I have to then say, I don't fucking yeah, know. No, that's, who's, that's, who's our con? That's what makes the podcast shit. Um, <laughs> I suspect that he'd be getting better results if he was still at Red Bull. And I suspect he'd be closer to Verstappen, than, considerably closer to the Verstappen than, than Perez would be. Or mm. anybody else has been since him. Mm. But I think I think he's got enough of an ego, enough of a racing driver ego, that it would it would gnaw away at him that he wasn't good enough. Like Bottas, in fact. I think he's better than Bottas. But Bottas has got this thing where it's like, I'm the best racing driver. I've got to Formula 1, I'm the best racing driver. And it's just killing him that he's not as good as his teammate. And I suspect that if Ricardo had stayed there, it would... Well, yeah. <laughs> I suspect that if Ricardo had stayed at Red Bull, that that comparison to Verstappen would just drive him bonkers. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's going to start driving him bonkers at McLaren as well. Because good as Lando Norris is, he's no Verstappen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Alpha Tari Gasly was excellent granted he probably wouldn't have got a podium without the various cock ups ahead of this but you can't take it away from that feisty Frenchman that he drives well under pressure Sonoda was also considerably better how much of this do you think was down to his move from Milton Keynes to Italy <laughs> that is a bollocking and a half <laughs> <laughs> it's like being sent to Coventry it's like the new, the modern equivalent is being sent to Fianza Gee, I mean, come on. We've all been bollock. Well, you probably haven't been bollock, Phil. But no, me I and have. Have. <laughs> Okay. Imagine being so bollock, they say, right, we are moving you to be closer to the boss because we don't trust you, you little shit. It's the, it's the equivalent of being, if you've got a seat at the back of the class, you get you get moved up to sit right in front of the teacher where they can keep an eye on you. Yeah. He's not happy about it either. Did you hear him whinging during the week? It's like, I have to go to the gym twice a day. It's like, it's really hard. I'm really tired. Well, that's because he can only reach after machines. <laughs> <laughs> that joke doesn't even quite make sense, but it works. <laughs> I really, I really want to know just to be good. This was actually a really good drive by him, and he was unlucky to get seventh because I think he was he was higher up than that with the uh, the two lap sprint race, wasn't he? Which we haven't really talked about that much. Hmm. Should we talk about it? Well, now? before we before we talk about that, I I want in the next Netflix Netflix series for Sonoda to have his own episode. I just want to have a kind of or just a spin off show. I want to follow that guy around. <laughs> As he gets angry with the world, he's just like a vending machine going, oh, they've only got fucking Snickers. Oh, I hate fucking everything. And then just... He was brilliant. And did you hear his radio message where they're like, okay, Yuki, you need to really need to drive absolute max max now. And he's like, I'm going as fast as I can. Shut up. Yeah. This is the, this brilliant. Is the, 
it, it's an amazing psychology thing with Formula One fans as well because you get the, the people who go, oh, I love Kimi Raikkonen because he's always rude. But when a new driver's rude, they're just like, oh, that's really disrespectful, actually. It's like, no, this is what we want. I want him to tell this team to shut up. It's genius. I like say, his ambition. I just like the idea that they go, can you drive fast enough? And he goes, shut up. And then they go, all right, move to fucking Italy. Who's <laughs> <laughs> laughing now, you <laughs> Sorry, mate, the level is off the scale today. <laughs> I thought Gasly was, yeah, again, really good. And I think he's another one where now he doesn't have the pressure of being in a potentially race-winning car. Mm. He just gets on with it. I think it's the psychology again. He's just like... Since he's not had that pressure, I, I, I can't believe that the that the cars are that different to drive in terms of difficulty. That he jumps in the Alpha Tower and he's really good, and he's woeful in the Red Bull. I think but pressure I think, must have I a large part to do with it. Oh, it's a pattern. I mean, Albon is doing really well this year. <laughs> Nobody stands at the back of the garage like he does. He rocks those oh, headphones. Every time I see him, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> even his mum just doing one last heist. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. It's documented history. But yeah, he did very well and fair play to him. And the trouble is, I th- have we talked about this before? I feel like we've talked about this before. I don't know where he goes from here. Gasly. Like mm. where? Alpine. When Alonso crashes and burns, he'll lead but Alpine. That, uh, O'Connor will be gone. But is that, a, is that a step forward? Yeah. It's not at the moment. Why would he, why would he go from a, a team where he's getting podiums to a team where he's not going to get podiums? Oh, well, that's the fucking question, isn't it, Phil? Yeah, I mean, the obvious if answer is it on a Formula podcast. E, if only you'd ask that question on a podcast where we should answer it. Exactly. <laughs> but you didn't, so... Yeah. Well, let's talk about Alpine. Alonso had us entertained, albeit for two very good laps after the restart, but that is two laps worth watching this season. Ocon's post-race Instagram said, new week, new challenges. We reset and go again. Can you give me a loose translation of that, please? Uh, it all went to shit, and I don't want to think about it anymore. It was a bad oh, race, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't as quick as Alonso, which a few years ago would be no bad thing, but this year is like. Mm. Um, and then his, failure. And then it's yeah, and then his car broke, so that was the end of that, really. Um, but yeah, he was some way off Alonso. Where did they start? Eighth and twelfth. So yeah, he was four places behind Alonso. Which I don't know. Yeah, on the face of it, that, it's not a good look. Four, but then he's Alonso, so he's you know. Four places in Formula One is like going. It's like the difference between no, no. That was it. That's that was the gap. That was the gap. Well, yeah. It, what you just did then is a long time in Formula One. No, no. Yeah. That, I mean, that felt like an age. No, no. Yeah, just <laughs> oh, so boring. That can be our new two. feature. It can be. Let's do an audio description of the grid. <laughs> we could we could try and you know like that F one visualized guy on YouTube or Instagram or whatever. Yeah, it is, yeah. Which is really F1 good. F one audioized. Yeah, yeah, we should do that with just like some sort of beeps. Mm. F one. No, no, not beeps. Just, just me with, saying with the word Terry now. Saying now. <laughs> so it's going to be the grid this this week was now now no 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 suddenly turned into a two unlimited song but okay (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean we are talking you know again every time we talk about f1 and for for people who might be new to f1 we should say this they're all pretty good we're talking sort of you know the 99th percent of driving skill but um uh alcon has not been 
as good. He's not had a good weekend, and it went well, worse when his engine died. So there was a safety. Verstappen crashed. There was a red flag while they cleaned up the bits of his car. They brought everybody else out back again for the remaining two laps of the race. Well, I thought it was going to be three laps, and then it turned out that the formation lap counted as a lap. Is that always the case? Oh, I know no one knows. I know under the safety up. car it is, but anyway. Um, what, I, what I love about this is that in the old days, it would have been a definite kind of, oh, we'll just start the race. doesn't matter. Two laps left. Why, what's the point, eh? Well, glad they this, didn't. This new guy, what's his name? Michael Massey. Michael Massey. Which now I'm thinking about it is a lot like Max Mosley as a name. Just oh. oh. And there was a thing on the commentary, means. and I don't know how true this is, because if they stopped to race with two laps left, they've got to do it by a count back, and the last full lap was led by Max Verstappen. <laughs> that would mean that he would have won the race? That, oh, they couldn't have that. Then we're getting into sort of Nelson Piquet Jr. levels of conspiracy, aren't we? Because that is such a Formula 1 thing to be like... <laughs> You know, I'm joking about saying, oh, Lance Stroll crashed, that was good for his race. But actually, Max Verstappen crashing would have won in the race. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you joke, and yet the more we think about it, the more we're like, actually, yeah, I could see that if that happened, true. it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, so but then they had to do a two-lap race. But then they, they did it, the had to do it from a grid start rather than a rolling start. I thought oh. they were just going to lead him out around the safety car and then just be like, Go! Which would essentially be like what they do in pretty much every form of American racing, where somehow they try to have a caution with three laps to go, and then everyone just goes batshit towards the end. Why do you think they did that? For fun. Mm. And it was fun, yeah, in it was fairness. Fun. Okay. Do you know, the, the red flag restart, what I'd say is Michael Massey has been a lot, he's got a much more of a kind of hair trigger on the red flag than Charlie Whiting did. Like I, I don't feel like races got, st- like races got stopped for like bad fucking crashes in Charlie Whiting's era. And Michael Massey seems to just love that fucking red flag. <laughs> I think, well, because now we can hear the FIA radio, it did seem, did you hear the, the transmission from Red Bull saying to Michael Massey, look, we had absolutely no indication of, was it, was, or was it, it was Red Bull, wasn't it? Was it, it Red was Bull's Red engineers Bull. was who said, look, someone, yeah. we had no uh, indication that that was going to go. I would you consider having a red flag so everybody can come in and change tyres if they need to? Which is probably fair enough. But also there was the other FIA radio thing where someone was going, who was complaining about somebody would... Oh, yeah, oh someone was complaining it? about Sonoda, weren't they? Yes, yeah, Sonoda's gone too fast under the red flag. And he was yeah. like, and Michael Massey going, well, according to my stats, everyone's gone too far. You're all disqualified. Yeah, I'm in charge of this. You fuck off. <laughs> It would have been great if you disqualified everybody, or everyone got a 10 second. Everyone had to come into the pits and stand out a stop go penalty for 10 seconds <laughs> as part of the two lap sprint race. So they did one absolutely flat out lap. They all come into the pits, stay there for 10 seconds, then all come out of the pits again. One more lap, end of the race. That would be amazing. But I do think that he's done more red flags than. I just feel like there's been a lot of red flags lately. That's all I'm saying. And this, this whole kind of going back to a grid start is amazing it's such a good idea and i'd love they do it i do like point, it we just gotta get to the point where they just do it anyway you go this race is getting a bit boring let's throw a, right let's throw in a new grid start <laughs> yeah not, don't even have to red flag the race just throw wave a yeah. new a new flag that says everybody has to stop on the grid on a the purple flag everyone stops <laughs> it was quite fun the, the only thing i don't like as a, as a i say the only thing i don't like as a purist like it kind of renders the most of the rest of the race completely null and void like any benefits you've 
managed to build well. up through then. You can come in, change tyres, fix all your damage, off you go, we'll do two races the end. Uh, two seconds. Two, not two seconds, two laps. Two <laughs> seconds would be interesting. Two laps, the end. It's kind of like, well, what was the point of the rest of the race? Yeah. But, but then I still the enjoyed point? it. What's the point of Formula 1? Let's be honest. That is a, that's another t-shirt and very a very true. good point. Alfa Romeo. Raikkonen got a point. I don't remember much else. Giovinazzi has a collision on, had a collision on the restart and so lost out on any chance of points. Boring weekend for Alfa Romeo. Which are the most boring team on the grid? I mean, it's probably Alfa, maybe yeah. Alpine. No, Al- Alpine at least has the sort of the intrigue of like, ooh, Alonso, will he get his act together? I Whereas, suppose Haas has the intrigue of Mazepin and yeah. Schumacher's son. Yeah, the, the scumbag and the son of the legend. And uh, it's kind of like Alpha is the has-been and the and the, the guy. Never that, will be. I mean, yeah, exactly. Although, having said that, I did think the last couple of races Giovinazzi's been all right. But he didn't have a particularly great race this week. So maybe he's back to his old inconsistent self. But he's got, he's got lovely yep. hair. Williams. Russell was really optimistic and positive despite the fact his gearbox passed out and he DNF'd and Latifi's team are giving him mixed messages. By that I mean stay out, stay out, stay out, come here. Whose fault was that? Absolutely. 100% the team's fault. (laughs) The engineer saying stay out. And when I said stay out I meant don't Don't stay stay in the pit lane. So I I went stay in but not out. (laughs) Who's on first? I mean, that was absolutely shambolic, wasn't it? And then I, I'm complete sympathy for Latifi because if somebody, if you're coming up to the pit lane and somebody says, stay out, stay out, stay out, stay out, stay out, all right, I'll stay out. And they go, why have you stayed out? I think he was righteously, uh, righteously indignant at that. And I'm not quite sure what, surely part of being an engineer is being able to communicate effectively with your driver in the heat of the moment. But I think the thing with that is when when the engi- when you hear the engineer say no, what I meant was you could tell in his voice going, oh, I fucked this right up. This is all on me. Yeah. Do you reckon that was? I don't actually know who it was. It was his engineer Simon Roberts, and that's why it was Simon it. Roberts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was Xavier John Louis Baptist the third or something. That's kind of racist. Francois Xavier of the house. I think you're talking about. It was Amelie from the film Amelie. <laughs> That's a good... Just I naming seen, French thing. I haven't seen Amelie in a long time. I remember that being really good. I reckon it's dated badly. Mm. Haas! <laughs> okay, fine. Haas, Haas, who has he the Haas to do dum ba Is that only the lonely again? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Okay, finished. <laughs> Trouble in paradise. Mazepin made a lot of mistakes in the race, including nearly hitting his teammate. Schumacher sounded pissed off on the radio. He's usually the kind of guy that would say thank you for that. Will there be a race where both Haas get points? Which one do you think it will be? And would you be willing to give Dogs Trust money if they do? No, none of them, no. Yeah, not even I'm going to vote Dogs Trust money on... Oh, my God, I've not changed my address at the Dogs Trust. Uh, we haven't had any Charlie... Uh, what was he called? Charlie Shiting updates for a while. <laughs> was he called Charlie Shiting? I, I, think think that's that's de- I think that's what we decided to call him, wasn't it? That doesn't sound like me. The interesting thing about that Mazepin incident was that... So, if you didn't remember it, Schumacher was somehow behind Mazepin for reasons I can't remember. And he was coming up on the line, on the last lap to overtake him. 
And as he was zooming up at him at 200 miles an hour, Mazepin basically jinked right at the last minute. Schumacher shat himself, managed to overtake him and beat him on the line, but then came on the radio going, what the fuck was that? And then shortly afterwards, backpedaled very quickly and sort of tried to laugh it off and go, oh, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And I can't help thinking that that's because uh, he knows that Mazepin's dad is going to end the team soon and you can't have a go at Nikita because he's uh, special. Think I'm onto something yeah. or is yeah. that? I think that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing. It's a tricky position for Schumacher. I do. I would not want to be Mick Schumacher um, uh, at, at, in this particular team because I can only imagine the office politics. Yeah. All of which brings us to the standings with Terry Saunders. So uh, the standings. Let's face it. The, the, like Bottas, the standings are way past their best. But <laughs> we will plough on <laughs> so this week for the driver standings i was thinking we should be doing uh british sitcom characters and their catchphrases so in first place is max verstappen with don't panic mr mattering you're still gonna win the championship uh second place lewis Hamilton with oh betty i pressed the magic button <laughs> that was the worst frank spencer ever hang on <laughs> oh betty oh oh betty no, that's, no, no you're, you're we can't do it Oh, Betty. <laughs> no, it's like, oh, Betty. Oh, no. Oh, oh Betty. God, it's really hard. And it's quite hard. Maybe Michael, whoever it was, Crawford, Crawford, is a better actor than we gave him credit. Maybe he's listening and can ring in next week and do <laughs> the standings <laughs> in the style of Michael Crawford. Number three is Sergio Perez with I Have a Cunning Plan, which is to drive. You stupid boys, Lando Norris for the red flag thing. Good morning, Charles Leclerc. Racist. Um, I don't believe it, Valtteri Bottas. He refuses to believe that he is an old man. Okay, that's Carlos Sainz from Forty Towers. Because he's um, Spanish. Because he's Spanish. Yeah, yeah. He gets I mean, am I being lazy or were the seventies very lazy? That's the question here. Um, <laughs> little from column A, little from column B. <laughs> Listen very carefully, I will say this only once. It's Pierre Gasly, who is the French driver. And then, in ninth place, Sebastian Vettel, we don't mention the war. Well, that was bad timing. In 10th place, it's good night from me. It's Danny Ricardo in 11th. It's good night from him. It's Fernando Alonso. Oh, no, my list is fucked up again. Uh, the Ford Madonna with the big boobies is Esteban Ocon. What a plonker is Lance Stroll. <laughs> Something unbearably racist from the 70s is Yuki Sonoda. You dirty old man is Kimi Raikkonen. And I'm free is Antonio Giovinazzi. Tremendous. And then look, I figure that most of my things I explain when obviously I don't need to explain the standings before I go because it's obvious. So um, let's just say there's a castle in Azerbaijan. <laughs> uh, let's take it from there. So the teams in first place is Roy Castle. In second place, Paul Daniels. Third, Barry Chuckle. Fourth, Bob Carroll Cheese and Spit the Dog. Fifth, Rod Jane and Freddie. Sixth, Bernie Clifton. Seventh, Derek Griffiths. And eighth place is Alfa Romeo, which is the elephant that did a shit in the Blue Peter studio. <laughs> and I think we all know what I mean from all of that. <laughs> And now, for the man of the match of driving. Sebastian Vettel. Mm. Yeah. Interesting.
Okay, so now it's time for the state of F1 with Terry Saunders. I hate buttons, switches, and dials. They're ruining F1. The magic switch that Lewis flipped by mistake. The dials that take up all radio chatter. And Jensen Button. But more importantly than what all these things do, I hate the names that Mercedes give them. The fact that nearly in tears, Lewis says, Did I touch the magic button? Like a child at the Neverland Ranch asking why Michael has gone quiet now. <laughs> Wow. You know, it's actually quite confusing when you think about it. Mercedes are seen as the serious team that do everything right and don't fuck up and are basically the embodiment of Nicky Lauda, whereas Red Bull are kind of still the energy drink upstart who have parties and James Hunt their way to the championship. But Mercedes calls their switches magic and have hammer time, whereas Red Bull have proper codes like Multi 21 and Alexander Albon. No one can work that out. But the problem is the wacky names are actually from the most boring people, and it's kind of killed F1 for me because this weekend I realised something obvious. The Mercedes F1 team is just a big fucking office full of people. <laughs> yes, they have nice desks and massive pictures of Lewis Hamilton everywhere and that one picture of Bottas in a toilet. But it means that it's the boring people who suck the life out of you playing the Christmas party that are in charge of calling buttons magic. Why is it magic, Toto? Because it does something with the brakes? That's not magic. Magic would be when Bottas touches his button and the track is strewn with dead rabbits and yet he'd still lose the race and die of myxomatosis. <laughs> but don't worry, I have a solution. If you want your fucking buttons, I'll give you your fucking buttons. Get a kid from Winston's Wish or whatever it's called, or face it, me, to be in race control, and he has all the steering wheels in a room, and they're all wired up to the cars, and they're allowed to press anything, steer anywhere. Imagine Lewis going for an easy DRS pass, but then steers into the gravel, or Russell trying to overtake Bottas and crashes, you know, or Ricardo pretending that he can't drive just to keep a dying kid happy. And still you hate on him. Shame on you. Ricardo's doing this for the kids. Won't someone think of the children? Oh, there's so much to unpack there. I don't I don't even know where to start. Well that is it from us is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about the F1 champions for 2020 brackets 21. Not the actual drivers championship but the F1 in schools world champions, which I was uh, disappointed to find isn't actually taking F1 cars into schools, but it's something to do with I don't know maths or something. Anyway, a school from Hampshire won it, so well done to them. And to Terry Saunders. We haven't talked about the newsletter. Now, if you've not subscribed to our newsletter, you missed a treat this week because on Monday, all of the bars... Well, a couple of weeks ago, all the bars in Berlin opened, but I went to a bar... Well, apart from my Spanish holiday, which was obviously depressing, I went to a bar for the first time in about a year in Berlin and I got quite drunk. And basically, the newsletter service has got two-factor authentication and I didn't... I couldn't write the newsletter till I got home drunk. And all I'm saying is, I wrote it very drunk. <laughs> or rather, Phil wrote the newsletter and I added uh, some commentary. Yeah. You dusted it with spice. So what I'm saying is, there's a new tier of subscription to the podcast, which is for the low price of 4.99 a week, I will get pissed on every Monday <laughs> and do a newsletter. Or just sign up to our newsletter because I think... They're going to be more interesting from now on. It's not going to be about what happened in the race. It's going to be what happened in my life. It's going to be a round robin. Are you doing this every week then? Are you going to get drunk before every newsletter? I'm just going to be doing... The newsletter is now going to be like a little kind of blog about my life. If you're interested. And then, you know, I'll maybe mention some Formula One stuff. We'll be back in two weeks to discuss the French Grand Prix, which is interminable. 
In the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for everyone's sake and follow us on Twitter at for everyone's sake. And you can buy merch, Terry. All those t-shirts that we've mentioned jokingly during this podcast, you can't buy those because you've forgotten them. But there are some really funny ones from like three years ago at ff1s.com forward slash shop, shop, shop. Yeah, show your love for Stoffel Van Dorn. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. I've been Chica Rez. Goodbye. Goodbye. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Adios. Tschüss. Sports Social Podcast Network.